entertainment capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. Oh, yes, it is here. Sweet 16 time, Vegas style. And looking forward to it tonight at T-Mobile Arena. 4-15 will be first tip off UConn in Arkansas, followed by Gonzaga and UCLA. We've got a two and a three seed in the nighttime. Four and eight seed in all of these uh, seeds, especially the four and the eight. I'd say maybe a little uh, underseeded, no question about it. Uh, we're looking forward to it. All right, March Madness here in Vegas for the very first time, at least from the NCAA tournament perspective. Uh, we'll be out there tonight looking forward to it. And, of course, the winners of tonight's games will square off Saturday afternoon at T-Mobile Arena as well. we got all the coverage here for you. Coming up today, uh, our good friend Scott Spritzer is going to join us here in a matter of moments as we handicap uh, all of the action in the Sweet 16, all eight matchups from uh, today and tomorrow. And I look ahead, uh, you know, to the weekend with that. Steve Lapis will join us uh, from CBS Sports. Of course, the former Villanova head coach does a fantastic job on the broadcast of CBS. And Steve Lapis, if you watched any of the games last weekend in the Columbus region, in the uh, East region, uh, he called the biggest upset ever in tournament history. I know a lot of people will say, well, yeah, Maryland, Baltimore County, or Virginia, going back a few years, you know, that was the biggest upset. No, I'll take this one. I'll take Fairleigh Dickinson over Purdue, who was a number one seed as well, too. Just for the fact is, FDU won four games last year. Think about that. Four games. All right? And think about Tobin Anderson, their head coach, parlayed that one victory over Purdue into a better job at Iona. And who knows where he'll go from there. Heck, we saw that uh, with Chris Beard. We saw that with Brad Underwood. Uh, you know, what to the, these guys who up, you know, get these upsets in the NCAA tournament and leading to, you know, major conferences. So yeah. So Steve Lapis, uh, will join us a little bit later uh, this hour. And then next hour, as we head on out to T-Mobile Arena, uh, we got the head coach Pete Gillen and, Houston Nutt will join us as we'll talk some Arkansas Suey Pig and then uh, talk about uh, the matchups uh, tonight and tomorrow as well. So a lot of March Madness on tap here today. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow, back out at the Westgate inside the world-famous uh, Superbook, Double B will be joining me out there tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And that means, yeah, we'll get some VGK talk in there as well, too. But, uh, yeah, he's wearing his UCLA Bruin gear uh, got that, that whole Bruin crew in town. Tracy Murray and everybody. Of course, Tracy will be on the UCLA Bruin radio network tonight, but, uh, UCLA fans, uh, in town. I saw a bunch of hog fans, uh, earlier today as well, too. Uh, UConn fans are here. And of course, we know Zag fans travel well. So tomorrow, Double B will be with me. Al Bernstein as, uh, you know, what's kind of gone, gone unnoticed is it's fight weekend in Vegas. We got Caleb Plant and David Benavides. Uh, what a matchup on Showtime at the NGM Grand Garden. We'll be out there for that Saturday night. So I don't know how I'm going to do it, Nubchuck. I, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to the West Regional Final, getting in the fight as well, too. You know, it's, 
I have faith in you. Busy you weekend. can do it. I, I can do it. And can I squeeze enough food in in between? That's the main question. You'll, you'll squeeze food in whenever the hell you can <laughs> squeeze food in. <laughs> yeah, so uh, tomorrow at the Westgate, John Murray will join us. Tracy Murray will join us too tomorrow uh, as long as he gets off the golf course in time. And depending on what happens tonight as well too. But Tracy's good thing, win, lose, or draw. He's he's fine. He's the pro, you know. But for some of these other Bruin fans, I don't know. Depends on what happens tonight. What kind of mood they're going to be in tomorrow? How will Double B be tomorrow if they lose? Uh, you know, he's okay. He's he's actually okay. You know, with that. But uh, yeah, he's rooting for him. But you know, he tells it like it is. Yeah. You know, All right, we've turned him into kind of a, you know uh, a media mogul. Will he remember how to do radio? Good question. <laughs> 158, he's going to walk right in. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Punctuality is big. All right. And so let's get things uh, kicking off uh, with uh, punctuality uh, and a guy who knows a thing or two, not only about handicapping, but knows can handicap food as well. That's why he is such a vital part of this show, the one and only Scott Spritzer. What is going on, my man? What is all this talk about? Will you be able to squeeze food in? It should be, will you be able to squeeze in games and the boxing and all that kind of stuff in between the food? Come on, TC. You're right. You're right. I stand corrected. I, I stand corrected. What am I thinking about here? You're right, man. <laughs> the food's a given. You got that right. Scott, I, ju- I just uh, got done with the, uh, the bacon jam burger uh, over at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, just, it, it's one of the best. And, and it's the first time that I ever had to do the half cut. Uh, have you ever had to do a half cut into a burger before where it's so big? I've never even, like I said, forget that. I'm not a half cut guy. I'm going to man up and I'm going to, you know, I'll, so I'll try to take the first bite, but then, you know, that stuff falls apart. You can't even you know, open your mouth wide enough. Yeah, I had to go for the knife. I, I don't think I've had to do a half cut before, man. That's, that's a big burger and I haven't had that one yet. So I got to definitely try <laughs> that out. Um, you know, it's, ah, uh, boy. There's a place back home that was about six blocks, if that. I could walk to it from where I grew up, the house I grew up in, that's still there. And it's actually been written about, like, in New York and places like that. It's called Stella's. They have a burger that if you and I are ever back there for a Nebraska game or something like that or Creighton basketball, I'm going to take you to this joint called Stella's, and you're going to have the Stellinator. And that thing is about 10 patties high. (laughs) Oh, my. No, this isn't one of those things where if you eat it within an hour, you get your name on a wall and uh, and that sort of thing, is it? It's not one of those. I I don't know what the rules are on all that kind of stuff, but I know it is a huge, huge burger. Uh, They've named it the Stellinator. And like that place has been open since the 1930s, TC, so you know they do their burgers right. Uh, last time I was back there, I took the wife back there, her first trip there. We went to a, a Nebraska game and all that kind of stuff, and I took her in there. And it was probably, it might have weighed a little bit more than she does. She goes about 105, 110, and that burger might have been a little bit heavier than her. Okay, <laughs> I'm looking at the Stellinator now. How any human being can consume this or put it in their mouth it is ridiculous you're right it's like it's like the size of a trophy and uh yeah there you go i was right uh, you have 45 minutes to eat the stellinator here it is folks uh six burger patties six fried eggs what is this breakfast six slices of cheese I'm just wondering, is that, did you get your choice of, of cheese on that? Can you mix them up there? You know, have a little provolone, a little mozzarella, <laughs> a little uh, pepper jack, a cheddar, American, whatever. Okay. Then you've got the 12 strips of bacon, lettuce, tomato, fried onions, pickles, jalapenos. 
Peanut you could butter. Do it. Peanut butter. You could do Scott, it. they lost me on the peanut butter. Mine is without the peanut butter. Then, of course, the bun. Oh, and of course, a trusty, healthy order of French fries. Uh, that, that's what I probably wouldn't be able to do the fries after eat the Stellinator. So there it is. <laughs> and uh, the winners, uh, I crushed the Stellinator shirt and your picture on the Wall of Fame. Plus, it's free. Losers, 55 bucks in a bellyache. You got to like love it. <laughs> and you notice the people who finish it all look like they've never eaten. They're all skinny. Right. <laughs> oh, here's the current cool. record, Scott. Uh, it is uh, April 7th, uh, 2014. Somebody uh, devoured the Stellinator, I believe, in, uh, was it uh, 43 minutes? Is that what I'm saying? 43 oh minutes. Oh, my gosh. There you go. I don't know. That's uh, uh, my, my money's on you, though, my friend. I know if you starve yourself. For three days, you no, go, no, no. You what? missed. You, it's not forty three. Well, the computer blew. I don't know yeah. what the heck you're doing Sorry. there. What have you pulled a plug? So I saw three, three minutes and a couple of seconds. Three minutes. Three, three minutes. Jeez. Three minutes and forty seconds. It would. It would take me three minutes just to to try to get get this thing in my hands here. <laughs> wow. Look at that. Let's but, see. I'm, tell I'm you, telling I, you what. I think we order it. We might have to split it. When we go back, if we go back, or you know, it'd be even better to take numchuck. We could split it three ways. I was just going to say we could devour it in three minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say we're, we're splitting that about six ways. Are you kidding me? That's in, that's insane. <laughs> All right, my friend. How are you opening two rounds of the tournament? How, how'd they go from a betting perspective for you? Everything's been really good for the last two months in college baskets. And the only you know bad day I had was last Sunday. I went zero and two. Other than that, it's been really good. So I have no complaints. Uh, Sunday was a little bit of a bummer because you'd like to close out. You know, you're not going to have really, unless you get involved in the NIT or CBI, you're not going to really have anything until, you know, four days later. So it's kind of a bummer to close 0-2. But I'm not complaining. It's been a really nice couple of months in college basketball, TC. And and uh, knock on wood, those games that were kind of 50-50 as to which side was going to cover in the final two minutes have been going my way. And, and you know, I tell people all the time, uh, no matter how good – or how bad or whatever of a handicapper the better you are to have a long win streak of more than a few days you just need some good luck to go your way sometimes and and that's what it's been so kind of knocking on wood that we finish up uh, these final you know couple of weekends and the championship game the same way as we've done the last couple of months so no complaints at all i you know sometimes you got to take the 0 and 2 with everything else doing well I will say this. You mentioned at the top of your show there that about UMBC, and I agree with you. I think what happened with Fairleigh Dickinson was the biggest upset of all time. UMBC, when I've talked to people who've asked me this on air on different shows, they were power rated about 100 spots higher back then in 2018 than Fairleigh Dickinson was this year. And UMBC was 25 and 11. They earned their way there. They right. won their conference tournament, the America East. And Fairleigh Dickinson, four wins last year. They didn't even win their conference tournament, but as everybody knows by now, Merrimack was part of that goofy rule where when right. you move up a division, you can't represent your conference on the big dance. And so they backdoored their way in, so to speak, uh, because of a dumb rule where UMBC earned their win. So I think Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue uh, is the biggest college basketball upset of all time in the tournament. I don't know if it's as big as Eastern Illinois as a 30-plus point fa- uh, underdog beating Iowa in Iowa City, as we saw early in the season, uh, but it's up there. <laughs> no doubt. Um, Sweet 16 betting strategy. Talk a little bit about that, Scott. Uh, when, when you get to these games now where now the teams are going to different locations, they've had a little bit more prep time here, uh, we really don't see that 
high of lines, except, you know, when you look at the Creighton, you know, Princeton thing, but everything is, is, is pretty much close here. Tell me what goes into your, your handicap and embedding strategy when you get to this round. Yeah, I'm more into betting strategies. The first two rounds when it gets to the Sweet 16, I mean, I'll look to potentially play against, you know, the, the lower seed, the, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 seeds, things of that nature. But that's more for me, the strategies in the first couple of rounds than it is in the Sweet 16. And, you know, it's one of those things where I still check out power ratings. I like to look at quality, you know, coaches who have been there before and, and, and advance past the Sweet 16 and what they do with those three or four days off between games get that extra time to prep for your opponent it might be an opponent you haven't seen in a long time or ever and and so I look for those kind of things and but it got to still be for me it's they got to be teams that you know just match up well with weaknesses and strengths I mean sometimes you're going to get a team in this round that can't do something that another team does well <clears throat> excuse me or can't defend you know a team well and and so that's still what I look for I mean you know, you look for certain things, like I can talk about a little bit on some of these games that I've checked, like, for instance, Arkansas. you got a team that's 23rd of the nation in free throw attempts to field goal attempts ratio. They're going up against UConn, who puts, <clears throat> excuse me again, who puts uh, opponents on the free throw line too often, and that is a matchup angle that I'll look at at this point. Um, you know, Arkansas is one of those teams – that not only gets to the free throw line often, and UConn puts guys on the free throw line quite a bit, they also force turnovers. They're one of the best at forcing turnovers. UConn, well, they turn it over a little bit too much at times. So that's basically what I'm looking for, where one team excels and it's another team's weakness at this point. And UConn, a four-point favorite in the first game uh, this afternoon at T-Mobile Arena, 4-15, the four and the eight seed. Is this a lean for you with Arkansas? Yeah, I made a little bet on them a couple of days ago. There were a few four-and-a-halves out there in Las Vegas, and I was able to grab a four-and-a-half. Um, as far as where it sits now, as you mentioned, I would say I'm looking at my line service. About half the books have four, and the other half has it down to three-and-a-half. So Arkansas has been taking some action, and you know, it really comes down to that. I, I respect the fact that UConn is one of five teams in the dance who just keep advancing uh, because they're you know top 20 in offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. There's five teams going into the dance that we talked about having a chance to win it all, and UConn's one of those teams that fits that prerequisite. All five teams are still in the mix, uh, but again, I think it's just a matchup situation. They, they do turn the ball over too much, and Arkansas is outstanding at forcing turnovers and creating mistakes by other teams. And then you got Ricky Council and Nick Smith. I mean, these guys are 6'5", 6'6", in the backcourt for Eric Musselman. And, and not that UConn doesn't have a good coaching staff, but I'll take Eric Musselman over most coaches when the talent is close to being even. So, yeah, I was able to grab a four and a half out there. I think four or higher is the way to go if if you're looking to bet this game with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay, UCLA and Gonzaga, the nightcap, uh, the rematch from two years ago, that uh, crazy uh, final four overtime game, uh, outstanding game it was. And uh, we know that T-Mobile is going to be packed with Bruin and Zag fans. Uh, they're used to coming here to Vegas uh, for this matchup. And really, for me, Scott, I look at this and, you know, you look at Gonzaga, not that they haven't played a uh, tough non-conference, but I don't think they've played anybody that has the defensive prowess that UCLA has. So, so there's my my slight nod to UCLA, still a little bit banged up, but um, they should be okay from an injury standpoint. Bonas is going to play, Singleton is going to play. Um, so when you look at that, uh, and, you know, Timmy, 
you know, seems to shine when he comes to, to, to March. Uh, but we've seen some games where sometimes Timmy will disappear during the course of the regular season here. I just think UCLA is the stronger defensive team. I just think they're a little bit more balanced than this year's Gonzaga team. And when you look at this line currently sitting around UCLA one, one and a half, uh, I, I do like the Bruins here myself. What about you? Yeah, and it's a, it's one of those situations where if Jalen Clark was healthy and playing, this would be, yes. and I'm not saying a no-brainer win, but it would be a no-brainer play for me on the Bruins if Jalen Clark was still there. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, finally a team is able to exploit the fact that he's not on uh, the hardwood. But my favorite college basketball coach over the past, I don't know, 15 years happens to coach the Bruins. I'm just such a big Mick Cronin fan. Yeah, everywhere he's gone, even all the way back to Murray State before yep. he took the Cincy job. And so I'm a big Mick Cronin fan. They'll be ready to go. I know Bill Self has done well. Listen, I know, you know, the thing about Gonzaga this year, they were taking a lot of knocks early in the season about, oh, they're not as good as last year and all this kind of stuff. But the best thing that happened, I think, to this team is they finally played a strong non-conference schedule. Last year's Gonzaga team that was like number one for most of the year, and then, of course, bowed out against Arkansas in the third game in the NCAA tournament, uh, they took on the 248th ranked non-conference schedule this year. They weren't 248; it was 12th. Mm-hmm. Their non-conference strength of schedule. So you know they lost to Texas and Purdue and Baylor, and everybody's like, "Wow, they lost you know three of their first eight. It's not the same team." Well, I think they 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 did get stronger, and I won't be shocked if they're able to knock off UCLA. I decided to pass the game. Uh, the main reason is. I'm wondering if this is the point where UCLA, with a couple of bumps and bruises, including the important injury to Clark, where it finally catches up to them. They're okay on offense. I, I get all that. Uh, but again, I think UCLA squeaks by TC. It just wasn't enough of a difference from the point spread for me to jump in. But it would be UCLA or nothing. Yeah, and to uh, your point about the non-conference schedule, I mean, you play Michigan State, Texas, uh, Kentucky, Purdue, Xavier, Baylor, Alabama. They an, killed Bama. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. Uh, so... Um, no, this Gonzaga team, uh, they're ready and they're, they're playing great basketball at the right time of year. It's going to be uh, fantastic tonight. And when you look at this region, Scott, um, it, it is, it, it is, it is probably the, the, the two best games, the best region that we have. And you can maybe say, okay, the next one is, is the Midwest, which we'll get tomorrow with Houston, Miami, Texas, and Xavier. That pretty much went according to seeds. You got a one to five and then you got the two and the three, but here, I think that you'll agree with me. Uh, Arkansas is no eight seed, and UConn's not a four seed. I mean, the, right. you know, the, this thing could it could be very easily look like you know one, two, three, four, and these seeds out here tonight at T-Mobile. Exactly. I mean, and, and again, you know, I, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes. I know it's not an easy job for the selection committee to seed teams and all that kind of stuff, but I don't think they. I think they pay attention to the surface rather than diving into it. You know, into the depth of these teams because if you did the top five teams in college basketball this year, you know, were Houston, UCLA, Texas, UConn. You know, those are, those are four teams that are still around. There's five teams in all that all fit the top 20 offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. Those teams that finished in the top 25 in those two categories, metrics, they've won 19 of the last 20 championships. So how you could not have UConn up there uh, is a little bit strange, you know, and so I wish they'd look dive into the metrics a little bit more than they do, and I think eventually they will as a younger crowd starts to become part of the selection committee as the older personnel uh, retires and moves on. But, no, I agree with you. I think some of these teams are seated improperly 
You know, if you look at even expanding that to the top 30 in those two metrics I mentioned, uh, then you've got Creighton, who's one of eight teams that would have a chance, so to speak, to win the national title. And so it's, you know, a lot of these teams, I mean, what was Creighton seeded? You know, they're anywhere from 20th to 24th with a six seed out of four region, four regions, excuse me. And so, yeah, I just think that they don't dive into it enough and look at the metrics and really what makes up these teams and what's really important. I think it's more eye test for them than anything else. No, I agree with you, and I don't, I don't think it has really much to do with the age. I mean, you've talked about it numerous times on the show. <laughs> they need a guy like you. They, from a handicapping perspective, uh, to, to look at some of these numbers or metrics, as you say, that they're not looking at. But no, it's right. a joke. And even you could extend it to Michigan State. Michigan State, you know, a, a seven seed, K State, you know, a, a three seed. Uh, but yeah, UConn and Arkansas, I mean, either any of these teams that we're mentioning, uh, that are alive this weekend, maybe outside of maybe Princeton or Florida Atlantic can, can be cutting down the nets. You know, right. a, a week from Monday in Houston. Speaking of which, let's go to the East. They're in action tonight at the Garden. Um, K State and Michigan State. Uh, Tom Izzo seems to get it done here this time of year, as we know. Uh, I really love this K State team. They're another team that can lock you up defensively. You know, defensively, Houston, UCLA. I put K State up there, uh, as well. And I just love Marquise Noel, the point guard, all five, eight of him. How do you look at this game here tonight? Yeah, Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson, you know, the transfer from Florida who had the medical situation in Gainesville a couple of years ago. So I really do like the Wildcats makeup. Um, you know, all of a sudden Michigan State found their shot. They're 268th in the country in two point accuracy. They made 48%. That's it. 48% of their twos this season. Then they go out and they make 43 of 78 or 55% of their two pointers against USC and Marquette combined. Uh, USC, by the way, was second in the country defending the two going into that game. And yet again, Michigan State all of a sudden, out of nowhere, found their two-point shots. Um, you know, I did a show last week before the dance began, and we were talking about coaches you trust and coaches you don't trust when it comes to the big dance. And Izzo, of course, everybody trusts. And the one that kind of dawned on me as we were actually going along and talking about this that you don't trust is Shaka Smart. And I'm not going to give Andy Enfield uh, a real big, you know, uh, upgrade or anything like that when he's going up against a guy like Izzo. So Izzo had, you know, two real good coaching advantages, I felt, so far in the dance. And maybe Jerome Tang with a few days to prep can be the difference with what he does. Uh, K-State's nothing special defending the two. So if Sparty keeps on making their twos, they can win this game. But I, I kind of lean towards Michigan State. Not a play, though. I can't get over the fact of Keontae Johnson, and especially, as you mentioned, uh, Marquise Noel, the way they're playing basketball right now is at another level. They've been good all year. They've taken it to another level. And, I, again, I, I don't know that I can trust Izzo overtaking this one. That's not a knock against Izzo. Uh, that's a, a pat on the back for K-State's coaching staff. So, for me, it was a bit of a toss-up. I lean Michigan State in that one. Uh, I did not bet it. So far, the games we've talked about, the only one I bet is Arkansas plus the points. You got it. And then we got Tennessee and FAU tonight. Tennessee just bullied their way uh, against Duke. And then Florida Atlantic, the nine seed. Uh, of course, they beat fairly Dickens in the 16 seed, but uh, uh, a team that offensively, I mean, they can get it done. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Tennessee takes that same approach uh, as they did against Duke and just try to bully FAU. Yeah, a lot of folks like FAU, and it's come down. You know, we're down to five. I even saw one or two four-and-a-halves out there. Now they're they're making me jump in here on the Vols. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I look at on this one is can, you know, John L. Davis continue his incredible performance for FAU. He finished with a combined 
46 in points, rebounds, and assists combined. Combined 46 in those three categories against Memphis. But his average in his previous nine games was 22 and a half. So that's a bit of an anomaly going up against Memphis, and all of a sudden you more than double your points, rebounds, and assists combined. Uh, they're right around 30th in offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency, FAU. So it's a good basketball team. They did beat Florida in Gainesville this season. So that SEC intimidation, really no factor. Uh, but the Vols are on a different level when it comes to defense. Number one in adjusted efficiency. Number one against the three-pointer. Number 11 against the two. I, I just think their defensive play is going to prove too much for the Owls. Now, if John L. Davis comes out and he doubles his numbers again in points, rebounds, and assists, then FAU can stay close, maybe pull off the shocker. I just don't think they will. I think Davis is going to run into a buzzsaw with his Tennessee defensive play, and that'll be the difference in this game for me. I, I believe Tennessee you know, might be a close game for a long time. I think you know, Vols end up winning by anywhere from 8 to 10 points. Okay. And then uh, tomorrow, Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton and Princeton, Houston, Miami, Texas, Xavier. Uh, any of those trick your trigger? Yeah, Alabama. I, I think, you know, I've seen this like 65% of the tickets in a several books, 65 to 70% coming in on the Aztecs. And I'm going to go against the Aztecs and play Alabama, not for the reason that they're popular in this game, but just because of the matchups. And, you know, San Diego State, like the Mountain West before the dance, getting a lot of love. Uh, they don't shoot the two well. They're middle of the pack defending the two. Four of their last seven games, TC, have been nip and tuck. They lost to Boise, squeaked by Colorado State and Utah State, squeaked by Charleston. They go three and one of those games with an average margin of less than five points per game in the wins. And even before those games, look at the February wins over Utah State, Fresno State, and New Mexico. Three wins against, you know, middling opposition, and all three wins came by exactly two points each. Six of their last 12 games were 50-50 games late in the second half, and I just don't think that a team that's doing that, and it's a good team, we give them credit, but is going to be able to hang with this Bama team in this fast pace. They're firing up threes. They score close to the basket in transition. Uh, and as good as Brandon Miller is, they've got multiple ways to beat you. And by the way, I mentioned the Aztecs don't shoot the two well. They're 199th in offensive effective field goal percentage. Only one player averages in double digits. So, Brian, you know, that's Matt Bradley. He's going to need some help. Uh, but, again, I look back at their schedule. They played three teams power-rated in the top 20, talking about San Diego State. Three teams power-rated in the top 20. They went 0-3. They gave up almost 80 points per game on average in those games to Arizona, Arkansas, and St. Mary's. And the closest matchup they had – to Alabama and their strength was the game against Arizona. Now check out these numbers and I'll wrap it up real quick. Arizona committed 19 turnovers against San Diego State. San Diego State had a plus nine margin at the free throw line. Arizona still won by 17 points, 87 to 70. They crushed them on the glass. I, I think Alabama's too strong for this team. Uh, great, great stuff, Scott. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on that. All right, before we let you go, um, I know that you're a big baseball guy and you were watching the WBC, and I was thinking of you when Japan and USA uh, were playing in the championship game and that final at-bat where Otani came in to pitch to Trout, and we talked about it on the show yesterday, but as a closet Angel fan that you are, and uh, again, how much you like uh, Otani and Trout, uh, give me some quick thoughts about the WBC and uh, and that final game. Man, I loved it. Every step of the way, it was so cool to see Trout and Otani 
battle in the ninth. I was texting back and forth with a couple of guys I know who are big baseball guys, and I was like, man, it's like we're watching Babe Ruth against Lou Gehrig here. You know, two of the greatest on the same team now competing against each other for a championship. So I enjoyed it. I extremely uh, enjoyed it. And it started even back, you know, when they were playing in the Far East. I mean, great for a guy like me, a night owl, to be able to watch live baseball at 2 o'clock in the morning while I'm working on basketball games. I, I thought it was everything you could have wanted. I, was, I actually was going to bet on Japan when they first mentioned that you Darvish the day before the game was going to start. Then when I found out they weren't going to start you Darvish, I decided to pass the game and root for Team USA. And obviously the Japanese coaches and managers made all the right decisions uh, by having you Darvish come in late and, of course, followed by uh, Shohei Otani. Guy's just unfreaking believable. I'm gonna, you know how much I like him. You know, I'm a huge Otani fan. I'm a huge Trout fan. There's no doubt about it. But I'm going to say this. If you don't have two really good starting pitchers in rotation, at least right now, if you're not a contender in Major League Baseball, if you don't have a solid bullpen with an excellent closer, don't pay $600 million for any one player. <laughs> and, and, you know, like what Otani's done, I love the guy. He's the best player we've seen in our lifetime. He's the best player in 100 years. But it doesn't get you what you want, which is that trophy at the end of the year. You still need pitching. You still need a bullpen. You still need defense. One guy, if he could play every position, if he could clone him, they probably won 130 games. <laughs> but he doesn't play every position. So I think you've got to be a contender before you dip into the Otani sweepstakes later on this year. There you go. Great stuff. Scott's price or go to DocSports.com. Subscribe to Scott's Plays. Has it all there for you, uh, every sport. And, uh, again, follow the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight over the weekend, and uh, get Scott's place. We obviously appreciate him uh, joining us uh, each and every week as well. And Scott will be filling in uh, next Friday uh, for me, hosting uh, out at the Westgate. So looking forward to that. Well, I'm in Houston, my friend. You're going to be holding down the fort. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and if you want to trade, it's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you pictures. I'll send you food pictures. How's that? Well, of course. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I if I can find any stellinators in uh, in Big Texas there. There you go. <laughs> uh, hey, good luck to you tonight, my friend, and over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. So do you, man. Have a good one. All right, there he is, Scott Spritzer, my guy. All right, we come back. Let's talk to the coach, Steve Lapis. He's uh, in studio with CBS uh, tonight. He's been on the road uh, doing the uh, play-by-play, the color commentating on uh, the games up until now. So we'll get his thoughts on tonight's games here in Vegas and the rest of the madness in the Sweet 16. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. The madness continues, Sweet 16 style here in Vegas. Uh, looking forward to uh, going right over to T-Mobile Arena once the show is over today. We've got UConn in Arkansas, Gonzaga, UCLA. Oh, yes. And a guy who's uh, covering it all. Doing a fantastic job with CBS, the former coach at Villanova, our good friend Steve Lapis. Steve, what's going on, my man? Hey, everything's great. How about you? Oh, fantastic, man. Just uh, love this time of year. Okay, so uh, while I'm at the games, you're going to be doing studio work uh, uh, this weekend, right? With CBS. Correct. All right. CBS Sports Network Studio. Can hardly wait for that, my friend. Okay, we'll get a chance to, to catch you there. But Last weekend, Steve, or actually the last four, uh, those four days from you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, you were in Columbus. Uh, fantastic setting there, and you called the biggest upset ever. I'm calling in in tournament history with Fairleigh Dickinson defeating Purdue. 
Uh, let's start with that, my friend. And while you're calling that game, tell me what's going through your mind, what you're thinking, and even go back to, okay, before that game, you're thinking, okay, here we go. We got a one versus 16. We know that we've seen, you know, an upset before. It's very rare going back to 2018 with Maryland, Baltimore County, and, and Virginia. But this was even a longer shot, uh, Steve, as you know, with Fairleigh Dickinson winning four games last year, shouldn't even be in the tournament, didn't even, you know, win the conference tournament. Merrimack did. They get invited and they're going up against 7-4 Zach Eady and company. So let's start from there and then kind of tell us what you saw as you're broadcasting the game in the next two hours. Well, first of all, it, it really was not a, a 1-16 game. It was a 1-17 game. Right. Because as you True. said, Fairleigh Dickinson shouldn't have even been in the tournament. So they were like a 17 seed. Yeah. So let's start there. Um, and the truth is, before the game, you know, I'm figuring, you know, I told my partner, I mean, obviously I said it tongue-in-cheek, I said, Zach, he's going to score 100. <laughs> and uh, I, I really thought he was going to score like a ton. I mean, here's a guy who had 34 against Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. And uh, so, you know, you figure he's, he's playing against the team's biggest guy is 6'7", and uh, they're the smallest team in the country, and you think he's just going to dominate. But the game starts, and you really start to see – and the truth is, Philly Dickinson was 10 and 6 in the NEC this year, which was considered the number. There's 32 leagues. They were the 32nd league in the country. And they were 10 and 6 in that league. If they'd have played as hard, and they play hard, don't get me wrong. If they had played like that in every game, they wouldn't have lost a game in the NEC. That's what I'm looking at. I'm saying, how do these guys lose six games in their league and they're out here doing this? That just, you know, you saw in the first two minutes of the game. They tried to throw the ball to Zach Eady because one thing about Matt Painter, he threw the ball to Zach Eady every possession in the half court this year, every one. And I don't blame him. He had that that much of a weapon. Why not throw it to him every and play through him like they did? Well, they couldn't get it. They had trouble getting him the ball for two reasons. They fairly Dickinson was smart. They were fronting him. They were backing him, and they would play. They would pick a guy on Purdue and not guard him, and just have a guy in front of Beatty and a guy behind him. And every time they tried to throw him the ball. Two things happened. One, the pass was being really pressured by those guards. And two, these other two guys that were around Eddie were not letting him make easy catches. So you could tell from the beginning they were out of sorts. You just kind of figured as the game is going on that they're going to get, they're going to settle down and understand what's going on and be able to overcome it because of their talent. But they just never, ever got comfortable. Their guards couldn't get comfortable passing the ball. No one in, with five minutes to go wanted to take a shot. Every, their team was really shook because, and I said this, with seven minutes to go in the game, Purdue was, uh, goes on a run and is up six. And I said on the air, I said, they better get rid of these guys now because if they don't, they're going to have a problem. And sure enough, next possession, the kid Dimitri Roberts from FDU gets an and one, the six becomes three, and all of a sudden it's game on. So, I, what I thought before the game, and I'll tell you a funny story, was uh, our producer of, our, of the game wanted to show the clip from UMBC Virginia towards the end of the first half. And both me and Andrew Catalan said, no, not yet. I'm not showing that now. Well, with like 10 minutes to go, we thought, well, you know what? I think you can show it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the way this thing unfolded. You got to give – and the problem for Purdue was they got these two freshman guards who are good players – um, but they were freshmen, 
and the quickness. They're not used to seeing that kind of quickness in the Big Ten, as good a league as it is. And like, Purdue won the Big Ten by three games. It was like a dominant year for them. But those guards never saw pressure like they saw in this game. And it showed. I mean, Braden Smith, seven turnovers. You know, they were just never comfortable, and they couldn't, even, they couldn't run their stuff. You use the word pressure, and that is just so apropos for this tournament from a player side, coach side. You you coached, you know, uh, in this tournament. You know it. And talk about what that is. I mean, especially if you're a favorite and you're facing one of these teams that maybe subconsciously, you, you know, you are overlooking them. Maybe you shouldn't be, but but you are. But then you're in a neutral floor, and then all of a sudden, you know, they may only have a, a few hundred fans there. Uh, but then again, everybody else who's coming in the arena starts to jump on the underdog. And next thing you know, it's like, you're starting to feel this pressure. And we saw it with Purdue. We've seen it, you know, with a lot of these other teams that we talked about, you go back to 2018, Maryland, Baltimore County, but talk about that from a coach's perspective, uh, Steve, about how you've got to basically either, you know, rally your guys, calm them down. I mean, talk about the psychological aspect of it. Well, I don't know. I, I, I really think that, you know, First of all, it's the, the pressure is real. I've been there, and when you're when you're a high seed and you're playing a, a lower seed and you're supposed to win, and it's a close game, you know, three four points in the last four minutes, you feel it. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And the shots that were much easier during the regular season, all of a sudden, not so easy. And I think, you know, there's there's all kind of ways you can approach it as a coach. And Matt Painter was trying to be calm. He wasn't yelling at these guys. He wasn't doing it. That was his approach. Somebody else might have been killing him, and maybe maybe the best thing to do would be kill him. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because obviously they didn't react the right way. Mason Gillis had two wide open. They dared. They literally dared him to shoot two threes in the last four minutes, and he would not shoot it. Dare him, and he wouldn't shoot. He's one of the best three point shooters. So they felt the the heat, no question about it, and uh, they just it, 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 that pressure is real. And, uh, you know, this other team played a style that was way different than anything they ever saw this year, especially in the Big Ten, with that kind of pressure, those kind of small guards. And all of a sudden, they're going home. Mm -hmm. Steve Lapis uh, joins us. I was on the call in the East region last weekend. Uh, Columbus will be in the uh, the studio, CBS Sports Network. So we get ready for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Also, you called Michigan State defeating Marquette. Now, in name recognition, some people will say, well, that's not that big of an upset. Well, Marquette, you know, was a number two seed and they were pretty much were rolling through the Big East and they were battle tested during the course of this. And then Michigan State. I mean, you've got Tom Izzo. You know, Michigan State is always battle tested throughout the Big Ten and in the non-conference as well, too. Talk a little bit about that game and how much of this of Michigan State winning and advancing is the Tom Izzo factor. Well, it's certainly a big part of it. There's no doubt. But let me say this. I think what helps them is that they have this attitude from day one of the season that they'll, they, they play the toughest schedule in the country. I mean, think about the people they played. And we're talking about on top of a Big Ten schedule, the people they play in the preseason. So I think that they are ready for every game they play, which obviously makes a big difference. And let me tell you something. Shaka Smart's a tremendous coach. And Shaka Smart was picked ninth in the preseason in the Big East this year. There's only 11 teams. He's picked ninth. And he has an unbelievable season. So let, let's say that. But, you know, this, this Michigan State team, the big difference to me and why they won that game was because they were just much more physical on the defensive end than Marquette was. 
and they, and Marquette also had what you know their guys that they were relying on all year for their explosiveness and their scoring ability struggled. Tyler Kolick had a bad weekend. Both yeah. games, he was the player of the year in the Big East, player of the most outstanding player in the Big East tournament, and he just didn't have a good weekend. But I think the physicality, I think A.J. Hogarth is a really good defender, as is Tyson Walker. And then you have the stretch four and Joey Hauser, who can, you know, step out, but still, but still is a good rebounder at his position. Um, so that, that Michigan State team, much more physical than I thought they were. When you see people live, you get a different impression of them. Much more physical than I thought. Has gotten better and better defensively. Didn't play this kind of defense all year. Tom Izzo told me. They didn't play this kind of defense all year. But they are getting better and better defensively right now, and that's really what this team does. And those two guards, Tyson Walker and Hogard, and, and Joey Hauser, those are three pretty good scorers. You talk about defense and guards, you're going to get that tonight with Michigan State and K-State. How do you see that one? You know, I, I think that, you know, obviously Marquise Norwell has been unbelievable for Kansas State so far. I mean, the kid had nine assists in one game, 14 assists in another. He's making the three, scoring. I just think that, that, you know, Tom Izzo, from a defensive standpoint, is going to really be able to uh, do something. Now, the tough matchup is Keontae Johnson. Um, I, they, if they have Joey Hauser on him, that could be a little tough. But I, I think that tonight, Michigan State may go small for a while, take Sissoko out and put Malik Hall in and play with Malik Hall and Joey Hauser at the four and five spot because Kansas State will go with five guys that can shoot the three. So, this is going to be a pretty good chess match tonight. I think that Michigan State is going to control the tempo. Uh, I think their physicality will hurt Kansas State. But, listen, Kansas State had a great year, and they played in the best league in the country. They're certainly not going to be intimidated at all. I just think that Michigan State, that defense and their physicality just makes me feel like they're going to get it done. All right, here in Vegas tonight, uh, looking forward to both games. I want to get your your take on UConn and Arkansas. Is UConn team, uh, you know, with Sonogo in the middle, he can be uh, uh, brutal, but UConn, we know that they've got the depth. Uh, they can score. And then Arkansas can also come at you in waves, and the Hogs are actually probably playing some of their best basketball of the season. I mean, there was a stretch here just a few weeks ago. We're going like, you know, is, is Arkansas going to make the tournament? Uh, but, man, they've been very, very impressive, especially with their victory against Kansas last Saturday. What do you think? UConn, Arkansas. Well, I mean, I think that's a heck of a game. I mean, you look at Arkansas, they have two guys in Devo Davis and Ricky Council that can make a lot of things happen off the dribble. And that is always a good thing to have, especially, you know, at the NCAA tournament, end of the shot clock, guys that can go get something done. They have a freshman point guard, Anthony Black, who's been a little up and down lately. But I think the big thing for you for UConn is that they have better balance. They have not only do they have Sonogo, but Donovan Klingon, the freshman seven-footer coming off the bench, averaged seven points and six rebounds <coughs> Excuse me, in 13 minutes. So from the center position, these guys are getting 25 and 14. So you start there. So they do a great job scoring in the paint. They score like 34 points a game in the paint. So they're really tough there. And then Jordan Hawkins. And, and, and the thing about him is in the NCAA tournament, he has had some bad first halves and been unbelievable in the second half, which is obviously the way you prefer it. You know, if you're going to have a bad half, have it in the first half. And he is a tremendous three-point shooter. He's had a great year this year. Uh, and, you know, and they have other guys. they got guys coming off the bench that can shoot the three. you got a guy like Andre Jackson, who's 6'6", can't shoot, but he does everything. He's a point forward. He does everything else. And this kid, Tristan Newton, who transferred in from East Carolina that's been their point guard all year, 
He surprised me. I saw them the first game of the year, and I, I thought that that was going to be their Achilles heel was the point guard spot. And he's had a good year, two-to-one assist to turnover ratio, done everything they needed to do. I just think the combination of inside-outside, their ability to score, and the thing about UConn is they're also really, really good defensively. They are one of the few teams left in the tournament that is really good at both offense and defense. Correct. You know, when the brackets uh, were announced a couple Sundays ago, we looked at the West and we said, oh, wow. We're going to get UCLA Gonzaga. We're going to get this rematch of the wild final four game that we had two years ago. And here we're getting it here in Vegas tonight. And both these teams very familiar, you know, playing here. Uh, give me some thoughts uh, about the Bruins and the Zags. Well, you know, I mean, uh, the Bruins obviously are a team that's going to play slow, play great defense, kind of try to muck the game up, make it ugly, make it slow if they can. Um, they, uh, you know, missing Jalen Clark is not great. Obviously, he was the play- defensive player of the year in the Pac-12, and this is a great defensive team. But they still got Hawkes. They still got Tiger Campbell. They still got David Singleton. They still got guys that have played in a lot of big games. And so you always wonder about that. But I think Gonzaga this year, they are functioning under the radar. And I think it's really helped them. And they have Drew Timmy, and people aren't even talking. Like you know, I mean, everybody's talking about Player of the Year, Zach Eady. You know, Drew Timmy's had a pretty good year. Doesn't really get talked about that much. Yeah, maybe he's in second or third place in the race, but doesn't get talked about. And even Gonzaga's a three seed, not getting talked about. So Julian Strother is shooting the ball really good. I think in this, they have too much firepower in this game. I really think the Zags get it done tonight. All right, then tomorrow, Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton, Houston, Miami, Texas, Xavier. Uh, pick pick your poison there, Steve. Uh, who do you like, and what's the game you're really going to be focusing in on tomorrow? Well, you know, I'm I'm always interested in in uh, Mountain West. I've yep. done a lot of games out there, and you know, I'm interested to see San Diego State. I'm happy for Brian Dutcher. I'm happy for the program. I'm happy for the Mountain West that they were able to get somebody through after losing all those games in a row in the NCAA tournament and get into the Sweet 16. It's going to be a tough one because they're playing against arguably the best team in the country, a team that is very explosive offensively, a team that also has the size and the length that you need to play against San Diego State. But you know what? I don't put anything past it. When you're a great defensive team like San Diego State and you're, you're used to playing a slow tempo and you don't turn the ball over a lot, a lot of the good things can happen. I just think this is going to be a tough one. I think it's great they got to the Sweet 16. I think Alabama's a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. Houston, Miami, Texas, Xavier, uh, Creighton, Princeton. Uh, all very, very intriguing matchups there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Houston Houston is obviously a great defensive team. I think it's going to be uh, um, the, Miami. It, it's a good matchup for Houston because I think even though Miami rebounded the ball very well last week, and I think Houston – is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. Obviously, they're great defensively, and they got three great. They got three really good guards. And with Sasser being obviously healthy or mostly healthy with 22 points uh, last week, I think that uh, I think they have enough. I think I think Miami's going to have their hands full with them on the glass, especially. And uh, then you got a guy like Jarris Walker for Houston, who's another guy who's a budding superstar, who's a freshman. So I think Houston just has a, a little bit too much. Yeah, Jamal Shedd, uh, fantastic as well, too. Uh, who are we going to see in Houston? Give me those four teams, Steve. Well, I think Gonzaga, Houston. Um, 
He's pondering. I'm, I'm trying to get he's, my I'm trying to get my region straight. No, then, right. You have, you have Michigan State, Kansas State, FAU, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan State. I think Michigan State gets through, and I think. Uh, where, where am I missing one? Uh, so well, Alabama, Alabama, San Diego State. Alabama. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I think Princeton. Alabama gets through. Those are my four. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, before we let you go, a uh, real quick thought. Uh, Rick Pitino, a guy that you know uh, pretty well, uh, leaves Iona, takes the job at St. John's, comes out and makes some bold statements, saying, "Hey, man, you know we're going to get this done." Ed Cooley leaves Providence, goes over to Georgetown. You're a Big East guy, you get it. And then Ed Cooley tries to match uh, Rick Pitino's press conference by saying, "Oh, listen, no, we're we're going to be cutting down the nets in the very near future." Give me some quick thoughts about about those two guys. Well, you know, I think that hiring Rick Pitino at St. John's was a no-brainer. I mean, he is the one guy that is a guarantee. You know he's going to win. It's just a matter of how much and, you know, whether he's you know able to get to a Final Four, whether he's able to get to a national championship. If those, if those are your goals, and no doubt those are St. John's goals, they got the right guy, no doubt about it. I mean, he was the one guy who's out there that you know your program is going to be a contender. Then the Georgetown thing was a little different, only that, you know, Ed Cooley had such an unbelievable thing going to Providence. I think he wanted a change in scenery. I think he's a tremendous hire for Georgetown. I mean, let's face it. They've, they've struggled. They hired a guy who's a proven winner who won at a tough place. Providence is not an easy place to win at because you look at the history of Providence and most of the coaches they've had don't stay a long time because they feel like it's hard to keep it going. I think Ed was had to go to the transfer pool every year. I think at Georgetown, he's got a better chance probably to recruit some really good high school players and go to the transfer portal and not have to have a new team every year. Like he's had really every, you know, last few years, they've had tremendous success, but every year he's had a new team and that gets old after a while. So I think both obviously are great hires. All right, Steve, we'll let you get back to work. Uh, Looking forward to see you on the weekend and uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk with you uh, uh, down in Houston as we get ready for the final four next week. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. There is there is Steve Lapis, uh, one of the best former coach at Villanova. He knows a thing or two about March Madness from the coaching side and does a fantastic job on CBS on the call last weekend for those upsets with uh, Marquette and Purdue going down in the Columbus region. All right. Uh, next hour, it's time for me to roll over to T-Mobile Arena. Looking forward to being there tonight as we witness uh, UConn in Arkansas and then Gonzaga and UCLA. We are going to, uh, replay our interviews from, uh, Houston Nutt and Pete Gillen, uh, from this week. So you hear from them talking about the Sweet 16 and breaking down each and every matchup here, as you well know. And then, of course, like I said, you know, tomorrow we're back at it again at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right. The madness continues here with more nonstop sports talk, breaking it all down for you. Sweet 16 Vegas style. Uh, right here uh, on the program. And remember, you miss any part of the shows, you know where to go. Go to the website at tcmartinshow.com and uh, catch out all of our interviews and our previews up on the homepage of the website as well. Don't you dare go anywhere. One hour in the books. Hour number two coming your way because it is the madness. It's the NCAA tournament and it's sweet 16 style, Vegas style right here.
entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. Oh, yes, hour number two, getting ready for the Sweet 16 here in Vegas. Can hardly wait. We've got Arkansas, Yukon, UCLA, Gonzaga, the East region as well. Uh, Looking forward to it all. And, uh, of course, uh, Westgate, our Friday home inside the Superbook. Be uh, recapping it all for you. Uh, The first... uh, Four games and uh, getting ready for the uh, look ahead to the Elite Eight. All that coming your way at our Friday home. Come on by, see the show, be part of it uh, at the Westgate Las Vegas Friday. All right, continuing on here. The madness is upon us. We're feeling good. We are feeling fine. And uh, we do a little crossover here. Of course, we're talking to our great uh, basketball crew And uh, our next guest, as we know, we talk a lot of football with him, but he's a basketball guy as well. As we mentioned, his brother is uh, the assistant coach uh, at Missouri under uh, Dennis Gates, but this guy bleeds. I don't know what the official colors are. If I want to say crimson and green, green, I don't know if we can say crimson or not because, you know, that is Alabama in the same conference and everything, but those Arkansas Razorbacks, they're here. They're ready to go. Here in Vegas, Sweet 16, baby. And who better to talk to than our good friend, the old football coach, back at Ole Miss back in the day, Arkansas, the alumnus of Arkansas, Suey Pig himself, and does a fantastic job with the college football side of CBS Sports. My man, my foodie, my barbecue grill master, Houston Nut. Have you ever had an introduction like that? Not like that one, not from the doctor. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let, let's go get some Freddies now. Let's go. Exactly, exactly. Man, that's exactly right. I'm on my way to T-Mobile Arena, baby. I'm on my way to go see Gonzaga UCLA, UConn, and your Arkansas Razorbacks. What do you think of that? Oh, man, you are in heaven. How about that? I'm in hog heaven. Hog heaven, that's exactly right. What a great time of year. Now all the teams that are in this Sweet 16, hey, they got there because they deserve to be there, and they are playing at a very high level. These are all going to be great games. UConn's got that inside strength. They're tough and big and physical. But watch out now. These hogs now come at you, and they're relentless. And these guards, the guard play, Davis, Council, these guys, Smith, are unbelievable. And they got a lot of confidence going right now. So, man, watch out. These hogs are playing playing real good. And, y'all, I think if you look up Musselman's record now, if you look up his record when he gets to this point, pretty good. I don't know the numbers, but it's pretty doggone good now. So you got to answer me this, Houston. Okay, so you you mentioned Musselman, all right? And they knock off Kansas. Uh, that was very exciting, and kudos to the Hawks. But what is up with him and taking off the shirt? I mean, is that an Arkansas thing? I mean, is that what you did? Uh, what's the dealio with this? Come on, help me out here. Hey, 
I think uh, I think uh, Coach Musselman invented that man. That's his deal. I don't remember any other coach doing that. So that's his deal. And uh, hey, when you're winning, everything goes, brother. Everything goes. Now, tell me how how would people react if Houston Nutt took off his shirt? There you go. There you go. Right there. There you go. That's probably just right. That's right. Right there. First of all, my wife would be coming out of the stand. What are you doing? Come on. Get get get, get yourself together. Now, what was uh, what was your celebration move? Okay, when you got back to the locker room, what was it? I mean, was it uh, was it a suey pig call? Was it a dance? I mean, what was the former celebration for you and your teams? Okay, what we did, we went straight to the students, the band section, and to sing the the fight song, the fight song of Arkansas. Oh. And then when you got in that dressing room, there's nothing like that, TC. There's nothing like the celebrated locker room. That's what you miss the most as a coach. You miss the relationships and you miss the celebrated locker room because of the sacrifice, because of the investment. And you put it all together and you can say, we we did it. We won. We did it together. I mean, that is just, it's such a beautiful thing. And so, uh, this, this time of year is so exciting, man. One of my favorite fight songs. Uh, this one, uh, hey, as a kid, uh, watching you play and, uh, and then coach, like, this was it for me, man. Benny Cowens, where's my guy at? Let's go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There it is. Yes, yes, yes. Wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That line, yeah, buddy. I know every word. There it is. You know every word. Sing along, man. Let's hear it. Let's go. That's it. It's just like yesterday for you. Outstanding. So so how close you've been watching these guys? Because I know, you know, again, we mentioned before your brother coaching at Mizzou yeah. and now in the same yeah. conference. Yeah. Are you are you a little conflicted when they played each other this year? Well, hey, you know, blood stick now. You know I'm gonna be uh from Missouri. I um uh, I love the job Dennis Gates has done. Mm. My brother's coaching there. And then, uh, you know, if you look at Arkansas the last three or four weeks before the tournament, I mean, it was it was kind of shaky. Yeah. And that's where you got to give Coach Musselman and his staff a lot of credit. I'm always pulling for them. But the one game, you know, when your brother gets involved, that's a whole different deal now. And so um, can't be helped. But after that, I'm all for them. And, and that was a huge win versus Kansas. Huge. Nobody expected that. And uh, the guard play, you just can't say enough about the guard play. I like the, the interview with Davis after the game. kind of shows you, you know, the, the emotion right there of, of things weren't going right. He mentioned the word struggle. They were struggling. They were struggling. There's no doubt they were struggling. But all of a sudden, it seems like they found it, going to get the loose balls, taking charges at the right time, things that don't always go in the stat book. They were getting it done. And then for, for Davis to go score 21 points, in the second half was just unbelievable. So I, I'm I'm excited. But getting back to Missouri, Missouri, 
had a great year. Won, won a good first game against Utah State. They had a very good team, beat them. But that, I'm going to tell you, if you go into a game thinking 15 seed, they're the 15th seed, you're thinking the wrong way with Princeton. So Creighton better be ready. Uh, this team, to me, can flat-out play. Uh, they're faster than you think. These guards can go around you. You look what they did to Arizona. If you look at the rebounding, these guys are, I don't know what they're doing, but they are rebounding offense and defensive side, and they get the ball, and they shoot the ball. They're lights out shooting the ball, but they're smart, and they don't turn it over, and they take care of it. And I, I tell you, they're just, they're fun to watch. So I've really got my eye on that one. UConn, Arkansas, Xavier. I mean, there's so many good games. Gonzaga, UCLA. I mean, it's it's this is this is it. This is what you love. Yeah, that Creighton Princeton game. I'm looking forward to that. You know, and Creighton is a team that can can hurt you inside or outside. Greg McDermott has done a fantastic job. Uh, there yes. at, at Creighton. I really like this team, but you're right. You cannot sleep on Princeton, uh, you know, nope. beating Arizona the way they did. And then just to just beat down Missouri. I mean, they beat him down. He's, nope. they, they jumped out on him early. And again, I, you know, I was watching all the games, but I, I had that one, uh, in sight. And so you got to remember. So I was, um, you know, at one of our favorite establishments, you know, watching, uh, the games in the hysteria and the yep. Kansas Arkansas game was on one screen. And, um, I, I've, I'm sitting next to these Razorback fans and they, they, they were out of their mind. And then on the other screen, it's Missouri and Princeton. And I got to admit, uh, full disclosure, I, I wasn't in the best of moods, my friend, because, you know, I picked Kansas and I picked Mizzou and I thought, I it, yeah. And so I wasn't the best of moods. So having these. Arkansas Razorback maniacs, as I like to call them, and I and I sent you. I so I had to take a video, and I sent you the video. Did you get a chance to see the video that I sent oh, you? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh yes, oh yes. Okay, so yeah, yeah. that's a surprise. Oh, that's real passion right there, man. Yeah, real passionate. <laughs> so these guys, I mean, they were hooting and hollering before the game even started, and then even when they were down, they were like, "Come on, come on!" But then when they took the lead, it was like, "This is here we go." I mean, listen to this. <laughs> Big suey, baby. Hey, you better get ready because they're going to invade Las Vegas. You better start your shows. Make sure you're going to host everything because they're going to buy up everything, food and probably adult beverages. And so get ready, man. They're they're ready to go. They're going to come with passion and energy, and they 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 got a lot of confidence right now. So let me tell you the best part of this story. Okay. So as I'm sitting there, okay, in, in the, these tables of 10, and again, the, the 10 Arkansas maniacs, and that was just one table. Then they had some others in the other part of the area. And then, you know, when they won the game, they're going crazy. All right. And, uh, so there I am just, you know, looking at this thing unfold. And, uh, so one guy came up to me, I think it was during halftime and he says, you have Houston nut on your show, don't you? I go, yeah, that's my guy. As a matter of fact. Yeah. I said, so I said, I'm going to, I'm going to take a video of you guys over there. I'm going to send it to him. And then I'm not kidding. They go, Hey, Hey, he's going to take a video and send it to Houston. Yeah, he is. You had this big old rooting section. I swear. And then, so I shoot the video. I sent it to you. This and that. So now. 
the game's going back and forth, and now they're not happy, but then they're happy again. And then it was like, never give up. If I was Jimmy V, never give up, never give up. You know, then they come back and they win. And then at the final horn, Houston, they get up and they're doing the hog chant again, this and that. They're, they're going crazy. And the moment at the end, this guy comes up to me, and, and the part that you didn't get on, on that, because the guy like knocked over my arm, he goes, he goes, Tell Houston that one right there. <laughs> oh, that don't surprise me at all. He said, call him up right now. And I pointed to the screen. I go, he's at that game over there. I don't think he's too happy right now. And that was the Missouri game. <laughs> you said that right. <laughs> oh, man. It was it. But yeah, you were, you were a focal point, uh, you know, last Saturday. Yeah. How about that? How about that? Yeah, crazy. Well, get ready, get ready, get ready, because you're going to see them again. Yeah, looking forward to it. I really am. Now, you did not go to Sacramento. I know that you pondered that idea. You you thought about I, it. I thought, thought about it hard, but I did not. A little far. Had a few things I had to get done here, so I did not. So I just sat, sat there and watched it on TV and flipped around on all channels, checking everybody out. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, give me so. a prediction. What do you think? Arkansas-UConn. UConn's a beast uh, down low, as you well know. But we know Arkansas, they they're they're not a real number eight seed. I mean, this team is no. not an eight seed at all. <laughs> no, 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 especially right now. Yep. I think um, – I think Musselman and them get this done. I, I think they'll turn this thing into this guard game. If they can do that and get that thing going up and down the court like they did and Davis is on like he's been on, uh, I, I think UConn will have a problem with that because I tell you, they're, they're athletic. They guard you very, very well. I know they're big inside, but I just think Arkansas will get one more rebound, make one more shot. I think it's going to be close and tight. But I'm thinking they're going to be calling them hogs again, man. <laughs> Is Musselman going to keep his shirt on this time? I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet on that. I wouldn't bet on that. You might want to go try to get that set. And I'd go the other way. I think he'd probably take it off. He, even though that he knows he's got another game for the you know the regional final two days later with a chance to go to Houston to the final four, you don't think he, he he'd save it for that? I just I yeah, listen. You're asking the wrong one on that one because I <laughs> look that. That threw me last year, or whatever. I can't remember the first time I saw that. That threw me there, too. So, hey, all I know is the fans love it, players love it, and they they buying into it. So, he's, he's, he's doing it. So, hey, don't count him out. If he wins, he'll probably do it. You know, three straight trips to the Sweet 16 for Arkansas. Right. Uh, very, very impressive. And I remember when, he, when Musselman left Reno to take that job, I'm going like, hmm, I wonder if this is going to work out or not. And it, right. it, it, it definitely has, you know, and, and like you said, you know, Arkansas goes through these, these, you know, stints where they'll go scoreless and, you know, they'll, they'll lose some games like they did during the SEC and you kind of shaking your head. And that's why they're the right. number eight seed. But then come March madness time, you know, once the calendar flips, you know, into the middle of March here, it's like, wow, here they go again. So yeah, it would not be a shock at all if they upset. UConn, even though you know UConn is a, a higher seed, they already knocked off Kansas. But yeah, right. I, I'm with you, man. It's uh, they're yeah. a very hard team to figure, but man, uh, they're fun to watch. In the last three or four weeks, going into the, even the SEC tournament, you'd say, mm, yeah, they might not need. They might. It's going to be hard for them to get in. You know, you still didn't know, and they gave up a lot of good leads. Gave up, didn't finish right in the last three or four games, and so. 
man, for what they've done now, it, it, they just they look different and feeling different, and this team is on a roll. Houston Nutt joins us, uh, CBS Sports on the football side, Arkansas alum. And again, like as we mentioned, uh, he's, he's a basketball guy himself, his brother assistant coach at Missouri, uh, for the Tigers there who are no longer in the tournament. So, all right, my man, let's go through, uh, the matchups. I'm curious to get your take on this. Okay. We'll stay here in Vegas, Gonzaga, UCLA, the, the nightcap here. That's going to be something special rematch of what we saw in the final four two years ago where Gonzaga got the Jalen Suggs half court shot to win. There are still guys, Houston, and you and I have talked about this before, and I've asked you point blank about revenge factors and football and that sort of thing. There are several of the UCLA guys that were on this team two years ago, Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, just to name a few. They remember that dejection uh, in that Final Four two years ago. Uh, tell me what this thing is going to be like, and what's UCLA thinking about here as they're facing Gonzaga? Oh, there, there's no doubt that UCLA has that in their back of their mind. There's no doubt about it. And they think about it, and I'm sure Coach might have made it through it out there. Not that he had to, but it's there. There's no doubt about it. And there's a respect for one another. Those are two great programs. And But Gonzaga, this, this Drew Timmy, I love the way he plays. He's so smart. And he's such, everything to me goes through him. And I don't care if he's at the top of the key or post up. This guy gets it done, man. And so I'm going to lean to Gonzaga on this one because of Drew Timmy. But you know UCLA's playing very well. Uh, Coach has them going. And and so I know it can go either way. I know that. But I'm going to go with Drew Timmy, the true big-time leader that's been through every scenario. He doesn't flinch. He's tough. He can score, he can pass, he can do it all. And and so I'm, that's the reason I'm going to go with, with Gonzaga on this one. All right, let's keep on that side of the bracket. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Xavier in Texas. I mean, the, the re, the seeds in this region really kind of held up. You got, you got a one and five in Houston and Miami, and then the two and three, just like we got with Gonzaga and UCLA. But Xavier in Texas, what do you think, my man? Well, first of all, the Texas coach deserves to be the Texas coach. Full go. What are, what are they waiting done. for? Rodney Terry, what are they know. waiting for? You see, I'm with you now. What are you waiting on? Because the guy's done nothing but uh, was in a very difficult situation, and he's got you there. And he's got you in a sweet 16 and still going. And so he deserves it, man. Give it to him. But, uh, man, I love the way they play. They're tough and they're physical. Um Man, this will be a good one. But Xavier, man, they can go too. I mean, this this is the one I've been kind of going back and forth. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right here with Texas on this one. Uh, I, I just think this can be a shootout, and I think this is this is a game too that I think both of them can score so well. Hey. I don't know what the over and unders and points and all the here you got me talking about. <laughs> you got me talking about this is what you've done to me, man. Yep. See, I've never even talked about lines and points, but I'm gonna tell you I don't know what the points are, but that total points for both these teams, it better be up close to ninety because these guys <laughs> want to put the ball in the basket, man. I'm gonna go with Texas in a tight one. You go with Texas okay, so so this so I can just continue to fuel your uh your fire here. I'm gonna uh, give you exactly Exactly, uh, what the what what the point spread is and the total here, my friend. All right, Texas. It, well, no, no. I'm going to put you. I'm going to make you Houston, uh, Las Vegas bookmaker. Okay. What do you think the point okay. spread? Who's favored by how many? Texas Xavier. I'm I'm, I'm going to say Texas by four and a half. 
Are you kidding Wait. me? Like a ring it up for this guy. Four. That's it. Texas four. You're a bookmaker. Like I've done to you, man. I, uh, you give me a job at this. <laughs> the total, the total in this game is 148 and a half. 148 and a half combined points here. That's what, there you go. There you go. It's a 148, 80, 81. Uh, I don't know. It might be a little low. It might be a little low for these guys. I don't know. We'll see. It be a little, okay. It might be a little low. All yeah, right. That's good. Let, let Houston, Miami, what do you got? Can you answer me this, TC? Is Houston healthy or not? Are the guards healthy? The, they're as healthy. As the, okay, so Sasser is not 100%. However, he looked darn good in the last game when they thought, okay, he's not going to be – you know, ready to go. But, you know, it's like the UCLA guard, okay, David Singleton. Okay, he got hurt the other day, and they already had injury problems. You know, Clark is out. He's gone for the rest of the tournament, okay? He's got, you know, major injury. And then Bona, he got hurt, but he said, okay, he, he'll he be back and play because he got injured the, the in the Pac-12 tournament. And then Singleton, like their lone sharpshooter. And, you know, I was talking to Tracy Murray uh, our, our good friend and you know UCLA alum and does a great job on the broadcaster. I talked to Tracy last night. I go, what about Singleton? I mean, he got hurt the last game. Is he going to be ready to go? They need him. He goes, he's got no choice. He goes, there's no tomorrow. And you know, right, right. You, and that's what that that's what that is. Same thing with Marcus Sasser for Houston. The, you're yeah. playing at this level. You're playing. He's not 100, percent but he did look pretty darn good in that last yeah. game uh, against yeah, Auburn. She- I, I, I love this game. Uh, this, this, the coach at Miami, I've got such respect for. I've never met him. I love what this guy does. Jim Laranega, yeah. Love, Been around a long time. Man, Good coach. He does. He's a great coach. I'm going to tell you, if I could pick one, I mean, my, my, my gut feeling says probably Houston's going to win this, and, and, and I think they'll probably get to their hometown mm. in Houston for the Final Four. But if I was to pick an upset, if I was going to pick an upset, I'm picking Miami, man. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Miami can get it done. If you look at their players, I don't think they'll flinch. I like how hard they play, and I, I tell you, they're 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 athletic. I I think this will be a really a good one. And I, if I was picking upset, I would probably go Miami. But deep down inside, I think Houston probably wins a tight one. How much do you believe in defense wins championships? I know we always say that in football. We say in basketball too. <laughs> You buying that? You know, I still believe in defense, no question about it. But because you in the world, you, they got it going on defensively, man. They are locked down. Yep, yeah, yeah, they are. They locked down, and that 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 travels. That travels. I don't care where you go on the moon or wherever you go, Alaska, wherever they're playing, tra- that travels. So you can you got to say yes. You always believe in defense wins championships. But I'm gonna tell you, in the world that we're in now with this three point line. There's something about a hot shooting team, too, boy, <laughs> that can fill it up, boy. And if they're hot at the right time, these three points add up. But uh, defense, I'd probably go defense. Okay. So, speaking of uh, offense and three-point shooters, no one does it better probably than Alabama. Got Alabama-San Diego State. What do you think? Oh, I'll tell you what. This will be a good one, too, because San Diego State's tough. Okay. I love how they play. They're really tough. But I tell you, I got to see Alabama up front and live and in color, mm-hmm. okay, in, in Nashville. T.C., they ain't got any weaknesses, buddy. Exactly. None. I'm with you. None. Uh-huh. None. You look at the seven-footer rim protector, unbelievable. You know, Clowney, 
<laughs> unbelievable. And we all talk about Miller. We all know how great he is. But here's the thing. Look at their guards. Their guards will fill it up. They're physical. They're tough. They take care of the ball. I, I don't see any. I don't see any weaknesses unless you know you just they just have a fluke game. I, I just I see Alabama getting to the Final Four, man. They're there. We've seen it in the SEC conference tournament where they didn't shoot the lights out in in one of the games, and they still had enough to win. And that you're right. That is Alabama. I mean, Quinterly, I love him. He's, it seems like he's been around uh, a, a long time. Uh, the, these guys are great. Bradley, uh, I, I, I love the guards. Uh, they, they can yeah. fill it up. They yeah. can, they can do it. I really like this team a lot. You mentioned Clowney and Brandon Miller. He is the second coming to Kevin Durant. I mean, he really yeah. is. He's that good. Sears is you good. I like this Alabama team a lot. I've seen Miller on the court level. I'm going to tell you, he's ever been a six nine. Yeah. He's six nine. He's long and he can create and not only hit them three points, but when things aren't going right there, he'll take it in there and just kind of maneuver, hit a little bank shot. I mean, he, he's got, he's got the entire package, but like I say, it's one through eight or nine on that, on that team. I mean, they just, he just keeps sending, sending people at you that they all can play. And the seven footer, and then Clowney, and all the Quinterly, all these guys are just—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're tough. All right, you mentioned Creighton, Princeton. You gonna—you gonna ride that upset train again? Who are you oh, going with? I'm going with Princeton. I'm wow. going with Princeton. I—I uh, I love Creighton. I love the way they play. I think they're very good, as you mentioned, inside or outside. But I, I just think there's something to this team right now, and this team uh, believes, man, and their guards are. Faster than you think when they got around Missouri's guards. I'm scratching my head. Now wait a minute. You know I've seen I've seen Missouri beat Auburn. I mean uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, and I've seen it. And and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is Princeton, and I have a whole different respect for them. I have a whole different respect the way these guys play, and I, I just think Princeton's gonna win. All right. Did Mizzou take them lightly? You think? They said you they hate to say you that. Know, I know you hate. I know it, man. But it, you just described it perfectly. I mean, it's like they beat Tennessee, they beat Kentucky. They had the speed. Is like, uh, but I, I couldn't figure out, you know, why. I mean, they just were outplayed in every facet. Outplayed. It just wasn't. It wasn't them. Didn't have that juice that I'm used to seeing. And I always kept. I kept waiting on a run because. This team never flinches. You know, I love Dennis's Gates uh, demeanor on the sideline because he's so cool, and, and I'd be going crazy. He'd get down 10 when he, I think he was playing either Arkansas or somebody. I can't remember exactly. Maybe in South Carolina, they were down. They come right back, storming back. And, I mean, just playing together and unselfish and cool Coach Gates sitting on that sideline, and I mean, they just believe in him. And Hodge and these guys were just the Kobe Brown, wow, player, mm. yep. player. But, but Princeton, give it to him now. Give him the credit. That's why I'm yep. going with Princeton. Okay, so that's the number fifteen seed, and then the other darling Cinderella here is the Florida Atlantic. They're going up against Tennessee, who you know very well as well. What, what do you got? What do you got here? I would say Tennessee. Let's talk about Tennessee real quick. Tennessee has a really good basketball team. I mean, they're really good. Wow. They can shoot it. They're, they got length. They can play. But I tell you what, they better come in there ready. It better not be 
Mm. Uh, looking down because of the name of Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic, man, has some guts and some fight, and they can shoot the basketball as well. And they're coming in with a bunch of confidence. I'm going to go with Tennessee, but i tell you, they better have their shoestrings tightened up way up tight. Kansas State and Michigan State. I love this K State. Marquise Noel, what a guard. Five foot eight, can do it all. Single handedly led them back in their victory against Kentucky. And now you're going against Tom Izzo. You know all about coaching, man. It doesn't matter the sport, but this is Izzo time. And I didn't think much of this team during the course of the Big Ten season, but, man, they are just March-ready here. To me, this is one of the great matchups here. I want to know who you got. Man, okay, between Texas and Xavier and Kansas State, Michigan State, these two games, I mean, you can meet to me, you flip it. You take a coin and you flip it. And that's, to me, how close I think it is, just my personal opinion. I love how tough both these teams are. You mentioned it. Coach Izzo has been there, but to me, there's something about them Wildcats, man. Those Wildcats, I'm leaning with the Wildcats on this one. Uh, I, I think it can go either way. There's no doubt about it. I know Michigan State has all the experience with that, that coach on the sideline because he's so good. But I, I, I just I got to go with them Wildcats. Brent Stover's my host. He'd be really mad at CBS <laughs> if I went against his Wildcats, man. But I, I love the way they play. This, this first-year coach – Man, he put this thing together, and I tell you what, they play together, and they're tough. I mean, these these, these two teams right here can play uh, tackle football without pads. Yeah. <laughs> he is Houston Nut. He's going with Wildcats. He's going with Tigers. He's going with Volunteers. And uh, he's going with Hogs, baby. He's going with big-time Hogs. And we're getting ready for it right now. UConn in Arkansas, followed up by Gonzaga and UCLA. My man, I appreciate it as always. And uh, man, I wish I could see you next week. Uh, got to get you to, to motor down to Houston, man. You know, get, you know, make that drive, whatever you got to do, man. We're going to have some barbecue. <laughs> All right, my man. Keep it going. I appreciate you, brother. There we go. One more time. Give me that suey pig call, my man. Come on now. Come on. You know it's Wu Pig Suey. You got to go. Go get those guys that you ran into. They got it down right now. They're, hey, they're in playing form. I know we got Houston Nut already on here. There we go. All right. All right. Come on. You got to give me one. Give me one. Let's go. Wu Pig Suey. My man, appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. There it is. Houston Nut. Arkansas, UConn, UCLA, Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great here in Vegas. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a half time. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 Great time of year. The March Madness. The Sweet 16. And we're getting ready for it right now. Here in Las Vegas with the West Regional Final. And uh, you can catch all the action at T-Mobile Arena. And join us now, the head coach 
who knows a thing or two about March Madness, a thing or three about Sweet 16 and Elite Eights, and he knows about a thing or four or five or six or maybe even 68 things with uh, the NCAA tournament. Does a fantastic job on CBS Sports. The one and only, the former head coach of Xavier, the former head coach at Providence, the former head coach at Virginia, my man Pete Gillen. T.C. Martin, it's great to be with you. You're a great American, and I support you in all your political endeavors. <laughs> there are no political endeavors for me, Pete. I am just, I, I go right down the middle with uh, all of these teams that are still alive in the March Madness. That's great. That's why, that's why you're, you're the best. You're a legend in your own mind. I know that. <laughs> Pete, what's going on, my friend? I want to know, how did you hold up over the first two rounds? My bracket had more holes than a big piece of Swiss cheese, but uh, we did okay. We, I, I, I had no idea. It was a tough, tough draw. I, you know, I, I thought that uh, Texas would get to the Final Four. They're still alive. I thought UCLA would get to the Final Four. They're still alive. Alabama, the heavy favorite, you know, as, as much as fair we can be, Alabama. But I picked Marquette. I, I thought Marquette would advance. I thought they'd win it, believe it or not. And they went down. They went down hard. So I've been hiding in a foxhole. In Virginia, so my, you know, detractors can't catch me. Those teams are still alive that you mentioned, and Pete Gillen is still alive, as we know, this time of year. We always have to acknowledge <laughs> that, my friend. Yeah, Rex Chapman had me buried deep in the ground, but uh, I'm back. I wiggled my toes. I get out of the grave. I bit him in a sneaker, and here I am. I'm back. Pete, I'm with you with Marquette. I didn't have Marquette cutting down the nets, but I had Marquette going to the Final Four. Severe disappointment. You know, we've got we got two number ones that went bye-bye, two number twos that went bye-bye, Arizona and Marquette. But what happened with the Golden Eagles and Shaka Smart? Well, you know, there's a saying, John Ross, you know, I work with at CBS Sports Network. <clears throat> he said the months are January, February, and Izzo. You know, Izzo <laughs> just comes alive in March, and it was a great move by John, who's another great American. Uh, they... <clears throat> They played. They lost eight games in the Big Ten this year. The Big Ten, in all due respect, was solid, but not great. Not a great year. They lost eight games. I, I didn't see that coming. I hadn't seen them a lot, honestly, during the year. But they played great. They had two big wins, and they, you know, they outplayed Marquette. They played good D. Joey Hauser, transfer from Marquette, uh, did a great job. He he was terrific. And a, a guy named Walker, transfer from uh, back east, northeast, and was great. So uh, they played great. Played great defense and. Uh, they earned the win. So, uh, Marquette, you can't sleep on Tom Izzo in March, that's for sure. No, you're right about that. And when we look at the non-conference schedule that Izzo has in Michigan State, they play all the big boys, and they'll go through some streaks during the course of Big Ten conference play where they'll go through some losses and you know, kind of shake your head, and then you know they get a number seven seed you know, because of that. But like you said, when that calendar flips to March, they're usually pretty strong in the Big Ten tournament, even though they flamed out this year. But then they just showed up big time. And I give Izzo a lot of credit, uh, you know, in this matchup. And I go to go kind of go back and say, man, I probably should have saw this thing coming, uh, you know, with Marquette. I mean, battle tested in the Big East, but really not that great of a non-conference uh, slate there. And it just seems that Tom Izzo has the horses and he has the game plan. What makes him so good as a coach, as a recruiter, as a as a guy that relates to kids, and more importantly, Pete, that can get it done in the tournament? It's a great question. Uh, he just, uh, you know, he tells us straight. He gives them tough love. You know, he's tough on them, but he tells me he loves them. He's emotional. I mean, he cries when supermarkets open, so the kids <laughs> see that he, uh, you know, he's a very emotional guy. 
but he's with them, and, and they get better. They do the fundamentals, old school. Doesn't take a million transfers. He has a couple, you know, with Hauser and Walker, but not a million transfers. So uh, I think they just get better and better. You hit in the head, D.C., they play a tough schedule. So they're battle-tested by the time the end of the season comes from the Big Ten and non-conference. They play, you know, really tough schedule early in the season, non-conference. So uh, they have good guards. And they play smart. So, uh, uh, you know, they're tough to beat. They don't beat themselves. They take care of the basketball, right? They take good shots. I mean, uh, you know, the turnovers, only 11 turnovers a game, which is pretty good, you know, and they, they hold people 42%. And they defend the three. The people only shoot 31% from downtown against them, and people only score 67 a game. So <clears throat> he does what it takes to win. He's a smart coach, and uh, he, he connects with the players, and, he, and the kids believe him. They believe in him, believe in him and uh, he, he takes them to the promised land very often. You know, Pete, you're a Brooklyn guy, right? I mean, what, what do you know about supermarkets opening? I mean, I can't, I, you, I don't even know where that comes from. The only guy I've ever heard say that, that you cry, uh, when supermarkets open. I mean, what, you, you know about corner taverns and corner stores. Uh, you don't know anything about supermarket. Where, and who cries when a supermarket opens? I do. I cry when I see law and order reruns. I'm an emotional guy. That's true. You are. You, you were born. You were born on third base. You had everything. I was born not even in the dugout. I was outside trying to get into the stadium. I mean, yeah, yeah people difference. But Pete, you had no problem getting to third base back in the day. We know that. <laughs> I did. Okay. I did okay, and then I, I then I fell asleep, and they tagged me out. You know, but uh, uh, I did okay in my time. Uh, I'm living on memories. You know, some are good, some are bad, but I'm living on memories. Pete Gillen does a fantastic job with the CBS Sports, of course, the former coach himself. Pete, what happened to Purdue? Losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. Explain this one to me. Well, I, I go back with Tobin Anderson a long time. <clears throat> He's from the Midwest, but I work with him at the five-star basketball camp. Tobin is the Head coach uh, at Fairleigh Dickinson, as you know. Now he's the head coach at Iona. Yes, the the breaking yeah. news. Uh, let's hit it because he he is now taking over for Iona. Uh, Rick Pitino leaves to take the jo- uh, job at St. John's. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But yeah, Tobin Anderson is now the head coach at Iona. Parlayed uh, that uh, that uh, job from FDU so goes from Jersey to New York. I mean, wh- uh, there you go. What, what what tunnel do you take to go from uh, FDU to Iona, Pete? That's what I want to know. We have a lot, of, a lot of tokens to get over the George Washington Bridge. That's important, you okay. know, from Jersey to New York. But uh, I know Tobin a long time. We worked at the five-star basketball camp for many years. I went to his dinner this year, his uh, basketball dinner early in the season at Fairleigh Dickinson uh, in uh, late October, early November. And I, I, we go back a long way. And to answer your question, the style. Purdue, Matt Payne is a great coach. But they hadn't seen a style like Fairleigh Dickinson. Little road runners biting you in a sneaker, you know what I mean? Biting your kneecaps and, you know, feisty little quick guys. And they threw it into Edie, the big seven foot four All American, had three or four guys around him. And sadly, when they kicked it out, Purdue couldn't make an outside shot. They were five for 26 from three point land, which is under 20%. So they, uh, you know what I mean? They, they, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't make shots. They, they you know, they, too many three, threes they were missing. And the quickness, they would buy them, you know, little road runners, dribble penetration, getting to the rim and kicking it out for open three. So uh, the style of play really gave Purdue trouble because in the Big Ten, it's a half court, slug you, punch you, you know what I mean? Half court, man, mano a mano wrestling match. Well, they hadn't seen little guys five foot eight biting them in the kneecaps, you know, trying to bring the ball up the court and pushing a break. So the style really gave Purdue trouble and they took away the big guy. And unfortunately, Edie was great. He had, over 20 points and 
you know, double-figure rebounds, but he didn't get enough help, and that was the difference. And the two freshmen, Lawyer, all right, and Smith, Braden Smith, two terrific freshmen, but they play like freshmen. You know, uh, one of them had seven turnovers. Braden Smith had seven turnovers at TC in the game, and that's 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 a disaster. So the turnovers really hurt Purdue, and the style, the quickness of Fairley Dickinson, that was a difference. But it was the greatest uh, upset ever in the history of the NCAA tournament. We know that UMBC beat uh, Virginia a number of years ago, but UMBC was a pretty solid team. This mm. team didn't, you know what I mean? The, this team had two Division Two guys playing, starting for them. They didn't even win their conference tournament. Merrimack, who you know, won it, but they weren't. They were transitioning from Division right. Two, ineligible. They to, weren't eligible, right? So you, a team that beats the number one, you know, one of the number one seeds, wasn't even the pure winner of their conference tournament. They were like nineteen and fifteen. So I, I think it was the greatest upset ever, and uh, mainly because of style of play and. Uh, uh, Edie, the great big guy for Purdue, didn't get enough help. And remember, Pete, this team won four games last year, FDU, right? Four games! Exactly. You do your homework. <laughs> That's what I love about you, DC. You peel back the onion. Other, you know, hosts, you know what I mean? They're living on memories. That's true. It's, they're, you know, well, I, they're I, silk suiters. I, you wear the gabardine and, you know what I mean, and the good rusty clothes. And I grill my onions too, Pete. I love a good grilled onions. Give me the grilled onions on, on, on a Chicago dog with the mustard, and I'm good to go with a poppy seed bun. Can we do that? That's living. That's living a dream. That's why you're the man. You know what I mean? You you handle it any situation. You're you're uh, you're like scrambled eggs. You're all over the place. Other upsets, Pete. I look. I do like scrambled eggs. There's no question. Forget that sunny side up stuff. Uh, you know, Kansas loses, but Arkansas does not look anything like an eight seed, and we're going to see them here in Vegas. Arizona loses to Princeton, and we've seen this song and dance before, right? Where Princeton comes in and upsets some yeah. Goliaths. It's been a while, but uh, the 15 seed. So, talk a little bit about about those, you know, one and other two seeds that bailed out early again. Well, uh, Arkansas. Eric Musselman is a terrific coach, very intense. He was an NBA coach, as you know, for a number of years. Uh, I had his game last year when uh, Kentucky played at Arkansas on, on CBS. <clears throat> They beat Kentucky, who had a really good team last year. Um, and uh, they got Ricky Council the fourth to transfer, Wichita State. And Nick Smith, the tremendous freshman, was considered by some the best freshman in the country. And he, he's having ups and downs. But they uh, they got good balance. They can score from all different spots. And they're very aggressive, very intense. Now they're playing UConn. And uh, Danny Hurley, I know a long time. I, I saw them practice, too. Uh, you know, you were eating eggs Benedict, you know, uh, on the strip in Las Vegas. I watched them practice. And... Uh, uh, Adama Sonogo is terrific, the big guy for UConn. I don't know if Arkansas can handle him, right? And a guy named Jordan Hawkins, sophomore wing, is a tremendous scorer. He's very good. So it should be a heck of a game. I, I think uh, UConn comes out in a real good battle because of the big guy, Adama Sonogo, for Connecticut. All right, we're getting ready for that game with UConn and Arkansas here in Vegas. Pete, talk a little bit uh, about this matchup because, you know, UConn, it, to me, they seem like the, they have the most depth. Uh, they, they got guys that come off the bench and score. You mentioned Sonogo, one of the best rebounding teams in the country. And this Arkansas yep. team, they are a little bit schizo. You don't know what you're going to get. Tremendous athleticism. Um, yep. you know, they, they've got some guys back from injury, but then they, they lost another guy, uh, coming back last weekend as well, too. How do you see this game matching up? And, and let's start with this game as we go down the Sweet 16 matchups. Yeah, I think uh, I think UConn, <clears throat> excuse me, a little too tough for them on the boards. You know, they're they're big and physical. Uh, they have a young man coming off the bench uh, who's a terrific rebounder uh, named Donovan Klingen. 
You know, he's a seven foot one guy. He comes in, he, he plays about 13, 14 minutes. So he helps them off the board. So <clears throat> Connecticut's really deep. You know, Andre Jackson's a very good player. I just think they score too much. Uh, they uh, average 79 points a game. UConn, as you said, um, uh, Arkansas is very good. They're very athletic, but they're streaky. Sometimes their shot selection isn't great. So I, I think UConn is a little more solid fundamentally. I think it'd be a good game, but I think UConn inside scoring uh, it's going to be too much, I think, for the Arkansas Razorbacks. UCLA and Gonzaga. We remember this game two years ago, the Jalen Suggs half-court shot that uh, propelled Gonzaga uh, into the championship game, that Final Four game. Uh, then you know UCLA still has a couple players that still remember that feeling. You know, Tiger Campbell, Jaime Jaquez, just to name a couple there. Talk a little bit about this game, Pete. How do you see UCLA and Gonzaga? Should be a great game. It's a great offensive team in Gonzaga, right? The leading scoring team in the country, 87 points a game. And the leading field goal percentage team on offense in the country, 53% they shoot from the field. Right? But UCLA is an outstanding defensive team. So you got great offense from Gonzaga, great defense from UCLA. UCLA holds their opponents to 60 points a game. So what's going to give? Is it Gonzaga going to get 87 like every game? Or, they, you know, is UCLA going to hold their opponents to 60? And UCLA gives up only 41% from the field on their opponents from shooting. Right. And once again, you know, Gonzaga shoots uh, 53%. So <clears throat> yeah, different styles. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with the Bruins of UCLA. Uh, and uh, I think it's a, a coin toss once again, but I think I like about UCLA. I think they have the best one, two combination in the country in veterans, right? Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell. Those guys have been around, right? Since Moby Dick was a minnow, they've been around a long time and uh, they take care of the ball. They shoot it very well. They can knock down threes. Both of them shoot threes pretty well. Hawkins is unbelievable. Uh, eight rebounds a game, you know, and shooting 48% from the field. <clears throat> and they, they got some pretty good depth. Amari um, Bailey's a good player. As you know, they lost Jalen Clark. That hurts him. A young kid who was hurt. He's out. But Adema Bono is a big guy inside. It helps. So I think, uh, that they're, you know, UCLA is pretty deep. The defense travels, I think. And I think they're going to remember that game, losing a heartbreaker, you know, to Gonzaga. So I think it's, a, a, once again, <clears throat> a coin toss game. Anybody can win. Uh, but I, I know Mick a long time. He was a little roadrunner in Cincinnati. He was a JV coach at Woodward High School while I was at Xavier. And, and uh, you know, he was very intense. You know, he's very, very feisty. He bites you in a sneaker, too, if you knock them on the ground. So you got to watch Mick Cronin. But uh, I'm going to go with Mick. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be a, a terrific game. Gonzaga, I'm a little down on it, not going off my Xavier team by one way back, you know, a long time ago. <laughs> so, so maybe it's a little bit of Irish uh, grudge, but uh, I, I love Mark Few, great coach. But I'm going Mick Cronin in a real close battle because of their defense and because the, the veterans, Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, <clears throat> I think they'll pull them through. How much does Mick Cronin use the revenge factor? Because there are guys on this team that were there two years ago, and they remember this. And, and again, you, how much did you use it yourself? Back in the day, I used everything. I threw the kitchen sink at people. I said, "This guy screamed at your mother. This guy called your father a dirt ball." I used everything I could use, <laughs> but uh, I don't think so because two years ago, it's a long time. Yeah. Young players, you know what I mean? They they, they have amnesia. <clears throat> they don't know what happened yesterday. They're looking on their phone and see what's the new news or what's the new stat or what's the new scandal. So I don't think he'll use that much. <clears throat> but I think you know, once again, it's a battle for the supremacy in the West. Gonzaga's been great. UCLA's been great. So. I think it's a wonderful game. It's one of my favorite matchups, you know, in the Sweet 16. Uh, but once again, another coin toss game. But I think UCLA with their defense, I mean, I think 
Once again, Drew Timmy's going to get his 22, 24 points. But uh, I think, that, you know, I don't know if he's going to get enough help. You know, Straw is good, but I don't know if they have enough help. I think UCLA's a little more balanced. All right, Pete, let's look ahead then to Saturday. UConn-UCLA. Who you got? Oh, I'd love to go with Danny Hurley, uh, Eastern guy. I'm mad at him, too. I'm mad at the world, TC. Well, of course. I, I tried to, yeah, I, I tried to hire his father, Danny, Bob Hurley, senior, when I got the job at Xavier. You know what I mean? You know, right around the turn of the century. I don't know which century, but it was a long time ago. Uh, uh, tried to, no, 1985, when I got my first head job at Xavier, Bob Hurley, senior, was in the Naismith Hall of Fame. As you know, I tried to hire him. He come down with his wife, Chris. We showed him around a day and a half. <clears throat> and then Danny... And Bobby said, no, Dad, we got to stay here. we got to stick around with our friends, Three-Fingered Willie and Batman, Bullhead, Ice, and Dice. And they were the cheerleaders. you got to stick around with them. So, uh, unfortunately, Bob Hurley didn't come, but uh, I'm not holding out a grudge. But i, I got to go with UCLA. I think, once again, their defense, <clears throat> their athleticism is going to beat UConn in a real another terrific game. These games are all... You know, coin tosses, TC. Very tough to pick. It sounds like the Lords of Flatbush there. I mean, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> there, there's a reference. How about that? I believe that was Brooklyn as well, too, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but three-finger Willie, he's back. He got out of jail. He's doing well, in case you want to know. <laughs> All right, let's go to the East. Right, let's go to the Garden. Let's talk about what's happening here when K-State and Michigan State. We talked about Tom Izzo. K-State picked to finish last in the conference. They put it together. Uh, love love the point guard that they've got in Marquise Noel over there. How's K-State match up against Michigan State? Yeah, I agree with you. Marquise Noel is unbelievable. <clears throat> Transfer from uh, Little Rock. Uh, he's a New York City guy. Yeah. Averaged like 17 a game. He's unbelievable in their last game and their big victory for K-State. Uh, and Keontae Johnson transferred from Florida. He had a heart issue, sadly, a couple of years ago, but thank God he's back. Uh, it should be a great game. And Jerome Tang is a uh, emotional coach, a leader. But I think Michigan State, I think the, the defense is going to be tough. Uh, I think they'll slow down uh, Noel a little bit. Noel will still get his shots off. I mean, it feels like Leather's going to shoot it. He's not afraid to air it out, you know, for sure. All but right. but I, I, I think Michigan State beats K-State. I think it's going to be, you know, once again, Izzo time. He's a super coach, and he got a good point guard in A.J. Hogart, Michigan State. So uh, I think uh, a close game. But I'm going to go with the Spartans. I think right now they're peaking. You know, they, they beat some good teams. And at the knockoff, Marquette, I was very impressed with that. They beat them solidly. So I'm going to go with Marquette in a close game. Once again, these games here, all coin toss games, TC, you know. But I think they beat Kansas State and the, the dream's over. And then you got Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. Uh, obviously, one of the Cinderella stories, along with Princeton, left in this tournament. Tennessee just beat up Duke, Pete. Uh, they just beat him up. They bullied him here. Uh, does the Florida Atlantic uh, run come to an end, or can they shock Tennessee? You know, I, I agree. I think same thing. Tennessee, very physical. I followed Rick Barnes at Providence. He was the head coach of Providence, as you know, for a while. Went to Clemson. And I came in from Xavier to Providence, and his team was very good defensively then, you know, and uh, very sound. So I inherited a very good team, and we did okay. I uh, did well, and uh, went to NIT that year, but we, we did well. And uh, he's a terrific coach. So I think the physicality, the strength, the power of Tennessee, I think is uh, a little too much, for, you know, for Florida Atlantic. I mean, uh, they had a great run. You know, they did a wonderful job over 30 wins, but now they're running into a big physical SEC team, you know, who's, who's playing very well right now. So I think uh, Tennessee is going to be uh, a little bit too tough for them. I, I think, you know, uh, you know, Santiago uh, Viscovi is a terrific guard. He can wing player. He, he's really tough. So I, I think uh, Tennessee with their physical defense, I mean, they locked Duke up. 
Duke was the hottest team in the country, right? Ten in a row. Yeah. Duke got 52 points. They couldn't score. I mean, Tennessee, you know, as you know, is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They hold people to 37% from the field. Hmm. That's 37%. It's third best in the country, the field goal percentage defense. And they hold people to 58 points, uh, uh, you know, from the, from the field. You know, 58, it's like third in the country. So they're a great defensive team. You know, they don't score great, about 71 a game. But uh, the Scobie's very good. He does a great job. So I, I think the, the defense, physicality, they're going to beat up uh, Florida Atlantic. And, you know, the referees, they got to call the game. It, it supposedly is a rule 10.1-4. I studied the rule book where you're <laughs> working well in a dice in Vegas. I'm studying the rule book. But 10.1-4 is freedom of movement. Poor Duke had no freedom of movement. They, they got bludgeoned, you know. So hopefully the referees will call a little tight to give Florida Atlantic a chance. All right, uh, Pete, let's real quick before we let you go, talk about the Rick Pitino hiring at St. John's and Ed Cooley going from Providence to Georgetown. Uh, you know these guys are really well. What is your take on, on that? And let's start with Pitino going to St. John's. Well, you know, as you might know, I worked with Rick Pitino for a year in the University of Hawaii. You know, yeah. he flew over there. I had to swim in the Pacific, so it was a little different. They wanted him a little more than me. But he was there two years. I was there one I know Rick well, great coach, Hall of Fame coach, as you know, Naismith Hall of Fame. He wanted to get back to the big time. He loved Iona, but hey, he's a Long Island guy right outside of St. John's in Queens. So he wanted to get back home. You know, he'll be a bit of king of New York. He's a great coach. He'll get him going again. <clears throat> he'll get transfers. He'll get guys coming in, you know, out of the woodwork, you know, and he'll, he'll do a great job there. Uh, and once again, he wanted to get the big time. Ed Cooley, uh, I was at Providence for four years. Ed was there 12 years. And I think, you know, sometimes if you're at a school, TC, for too long, you get a little burnt out. So I think even though he's from Providence, he had great success there. He got a little burnt out, I think, and he needed a change. His mentor was John Thompson, the second Lord of Mercy on Big John. That was his mentor. So he always loved Georgetown. He loved John Thompson, who passed away, sadly, a few years ago. So part of that was a dream, hey, to go to Georgetown. So he loved Providence, but, you know, he got a little burnt out. And Providence fans are tough, too. They're, they're, they're tough, you know, when... If you miss, you don't win the jump ball, they boo you. You know what I mean? So you got to, you know, they're, they're, you know, a demanding crowd. It's a, I loved it there. It's a great school, but they're demanding. So I think Ed got a little burnt out after 12 years. So he wanted to change and he'll do a great job. So the Big East is going to be loaded now, mm-hmm. right? With Shaka Smart on a roll, Danny Hurley at UConn's on a roll, Patino, Cooley, all right? The guy at Creighton done a great job. McDermott, right? He's yeah. terrific. So um, the, the Big East is back. So, uh, uh, Villanova, I'm sure they'll get it going, Neptune. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Big East is, uh, is, is doing well. And, uh, I think it's, it's going to be exciting having, uh, Cooley and Patino along with those other great coaches. Hey, he is Pete Gillen. He knows the Big East better than anybody. He knows all of the, the landscape of, uh, college basketball. We appreciate you, my man. And, uh, I know you'll be, uh, back on the CBS Sports Network, uh, doing, uh, work over the weekend, correct? Yep, I'll be working Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So when you're having a Mai Tai in Vegas, I'll be picking glass out of my eye on the studio. We talk about, I'm on my way. I'm, 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 I'm heading to T-Mobile Arena. We're going. Here we go. We're getting ready That's for good. it right now. The West Regional. I'll be there, Pete. And hopefully you can get to Houston so I can see you next week in Houston. Yeah. Because we, we have to have a, a meal together, my friend. Definitely. I'm going to Houston. I'm walking. Yeah. You know, they don't want to pay me to fly there. So I'm going to walk. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave probably. Monday morning around 6 a.m. So I'll get there probably Friday. So maybe we can hook up for a, a cup of coffee or an adult beverage. Why don't we get I don't do coffee, Pete. I'll be looking for you. You'll be the guy with the bunions. That'll be you. There you go. I'll be the bunion. <laughs> the bunion, you know, 
and a bag around my head because I'm freaking crushed, you know, sunburned. You know? Don't don't so, don't worry, Pete. You get plenty of vacation, you know, after uh, you know April the fourth. Okay, don't worry about it. I need it. I need, a, I need a, I need a decade off. I need a decade. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the memories, TC. It was always great being with you. Continue success and enjoy the West Regional. I'd love to be out there with you guys, but be watching. It should be fun. All right. Look forward to seeing you in Houston. We'll uh, get you back on the show as we preview the final four, my friend. Appreciate you. Take care, my friend. Thank you, TC. Thank you. There he is. Pete Gillen, one of the best. One of the best. Coaches back in the day does a fantastic job analyzing it all for CBS. All right. Looking forward to the madness right here in Vegas. Got ourselves a great one. The West Regional with UConn in Arkansas, in UCLA, in Gonzaga. The madness is here.